0: You know, have you ever heard the you ever heard the statement that um, somebody says, I won't go to church because the church is full of hypocrites? You ever heard that? And, uh, you know, I agree wholeheartedly with that statement. I mean, I really do. And, And this is this is the deal. I am reminded every time that I am able to come to worship and especially when I'm able to come and take the Lord's Supper, how big a hypocrite I am. And that it is because of the grace of God that this hypocrite is able to gather with other people and still love Jesus and know that Jesus loves me. This is, listen, we're all hypocrites. Listen, I, I get up here and preach preach to you most of the time and I walk away thinking, man, I wish I could just live what I preach. Because I'm a hypocrite. and And, you know, I don't mean to be. It's just the reality of the way this flesh is and the way it is. So when somebody says, I don't want to go to church because it's full of hypocrites, I just say, man, I agree with you. And I am so grateful that God loves me anyway. And he went to the cross for this hypocrite and his blood washes me clean. And I'm thankful for his grace. And so when people say those kind of things, I am reminded even more when we take the Lord's Supper that, that uh, man, God loves me. He loves me in spite of me. He loves me anyway. This week I sometimes I don't know what all week holds for me and, and most pastors don't sometimes. We we try to get a rhythm and a routine and, and it's always a saying around staff meeting that listen, it doesn't matter what you go through this week, Sunday's still coming. Okay? Sunday's still coming. So we gotta be at our best at Sunday. But we sometimes don't know what a week holds. And the last two weeks have been kind of interesting for me in some areas. Uh, Had a couple of uh, funeral memorial services. And and, uh, uh, those can be a little emotional uh, for me uh, to to step into because God has given me an opportunity to speak. And I I never want to take that for granted uh, in how that happens. But this particular week, um, uh, there were two occasions that going into the week, I did not know we're going to be there, but there were two separate occasions uh, this week where I I had an opportunity to sit down with two men separately, not on the same day, and these men don't even know each other um, other than I know them. And um, both of these men, unless God steps in in some kind of miraculous way, probably in two months, uh, will not be here anymore. They're going to transition to the presence of the Lord. They're both battling some severe cancer that just the word "cancer" just makes you makes you angry, but uh both of these men will will pass away, and uh, so I met with one on uh, um, Wednesday, and then the the other one on Thursday. and um, uh, you know, when I'm meeting with someone that um, is probably not going to be around in two months there's there's a couple of things that go through my mind and And I know some of you are thinking, man I don't want to be in a pastor just because of the emotional drainage but but uh one thing that goes through my mind is what kind of man would I be if I had two months? You know if I was told you got two months to live, get everything in order um, what- what would go through my mind I, I sometimes think man and and I tell you it's it's really to talk to these men and to talk to them about they had received their comfort package. Some of you know what comfort packages is it's morphine and anti-nausea stuff and keep your system going and and these guys are talking very candidly about me about these things and and so um, I'm I'm processing with you a little bit but I I just let you know I'm going somewhere with this is that um, uh, everything they said though I'm hanging on and in fact uh, uh, I asked um, one of the guys I said is there anything that you want to do with the time you have left and uh, you know I'm thinking I'll go on a trip eat eat as much as you want to. I don't know uh, what might be the, the thing, but he said, no, I said, there is something. He said, there's two guys that I specifically need to sit down and share Jesus with. And I thought, man, I'm thinking about eating too much and he's sharing Jesus. Um, and so, you know, we talked about that. And then the other guy, um, um Lord just put it on my heart to go and have communion with them, uh, with he and his wife. Um, um, knowing he was in the situation that he's in and, and to hear. So, in other words, when when somebody is going to step out of here and they know they're going to step out of here unless Jesus just heals them, they, they've come to grips with that. So everything they say, man, I'm just hanging on what they're saying. And so um, uh, it made me think about even Jesus knowing that the end was coming for him. OK, he knew that the cross awaited him. Now, the disciples didn't have a clue, but everything he said and we know it, everything he said in those last days to me are of incredible importance. OK, and so I was reading in Luke's gospel the other day and let me just read it. It was in Luke uh, chapter 22. But uh, what has happened is um, Jesus is in the last days. Of his life. And he knows it's coming to a conclusion, okay? So anything that he does or anything he says is of utmost importance. And, and, and this is what he says. He says, it, the scripture says, when the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Now, they were celebrating the Passover, the Jewish Passover, which has translated into uh, the Lord's Supper that we have today. But the, they sat down at the table and Jesus said... So everything he says, you hang on. I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. And he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. And after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. The last one of the last discourses he's going to have with his disciples he talks about this Passover, this time of the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood. The, the, what I think is interesting, the first thing he says is, you don't know how eager I've anticipated just having this time with you. And, and that made me excited because I think, man, we're doing what Jesus set forth here by doing the Lord's Supper. And Jesus himself is eager for his presence to be here with us today. Isn't that exciting? That he is eager that we are doing this today. There's an anticipation of him being here and doing something incredible that we cannot do as we come to the Lord's table today. But then he began to talk about his broken body and his shed blood. This is what was in the forefront of everything, was that he was going to give his life as a sacrifice and then his blood was going to be shed. And through that shedding of that blood would be total forgiveness of sin. Not that man earned it by any stretch, but that he, in his grace, has given this incredible free gift to man. This is what was important for Jesus to get across to his disciples. And and usually when we come to the Lord's table, in 1 in Corinthians it said, Let a man first examine himself. Uh, you know, to see those areas of his life, maybe that he has been inconsistent. The way I look at it is, is that it's almost like a vow renewal for a couple, but a vow renewal for a person who comes and, and says, you know, Lord, I know you. But today I just want to come and reaffirm my love for you. And then the Lord showed me something this week. Uh, you know, as well as I do, that right now the weeds are growing faster than the grass. And so we have to mow weekly so that the weeds don't get out of control and, and that kind of thing. And I was talking to my next door neighbor and uh, she uh, her weeds are uh, uh, kind of out of control. And she says, man, I just mowed and I got to mow again. I thought, yeah, yeah, you do. And uh, uh, and uh, but I was mowing my yard at the time, too. I mean, it's just kind of well, y'all know what I'm talking about. And so, uh, but I had this thought, I had a had a, a lawn keeper guy tell me one time, he said, you know, the, the deal about a yard when when the weeds are growing, he said, you know, we focus so much on the weeds, but he said, you know, when your lawn gets healthy and the lawn is growing, it will choke out those weeds and they can't have any place in the health. It's working on the health of a lawn instead of focusing on the weeds. I thought, man, that's good. And then I thought about that in our lives today, that that we come in here and and sometimes we come to the Lord's table and I get up here or somebody gets up here and said, you need to examine your life. So what do we do? I lusted this week. I told a lie. I cussed and I shouldn't have cussed. There's pride and we start focusing on the weeds in our lives. And then when we focus on those weeds, we say, God, I give you my weeds. And then what we do is we try to flesh out going and taking care of those weeds. You know, I've got a lust problem, so I'm going to recommit myself to overcome lust. And it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger because we're focusing on the weeds. What I want to do today is I want to set you free to not focus on your weeds, but let's focus on the lawn a little bit. I want to focus on our love relationship with Jesus Christ. I know that when our love relationship with Christ is where it's supposed to be, that those weeds seem to die away. It's, it's like any man that struggles with a, a, um, an addiction to pornography or, or uh, womanizing, that when his love for his wife is where it needs to be, those things are a distant thing not saying temptation isn't there. I'm just saying the love for the wife surpasses anything that's going to come in there. And so it's the same way. When our love relationship with Jesus Christ is where it needs to be, then it seems like the things of earth do grow strangely dim. It's like those things seem to find a way. But when we're always focusing on, God, I'm so unworthy. God, look what I did. God, I've screwed up again. God, this sin keeps dogging me. God, this is the way it is. We're always focusing on that instead of... Focusing on that God loves me and He wants me to love Him. And it's just in that love relationship that I find a healthy lawn. And that healthy lawn is just a matter of time before it kills the weeds. And so what I want to do just for a few moments today is this. How's your love life? I don't, I don't mean with your wife or your, or your husband or your boyfriend or girlfriend. I mean, how is your love life with Jesus? Let me help you a little I want you to know that He loves you regardless. He loves you on your best day. He loves you on your worst day. He loves you when you've just screwed up royally. And He loves you when you've just done the kindest deed you could ever do. He loves you. He loves you when you're trying to earn it. And He loves you when you're resting in His grace. He just loves you. And, you know, when that love relationship is where it needs to be, you don't want to hurt the one you love. You want to please the one you love. Some of you need to, today kind of need to know that God loves you. You need to be reminded. And that's why we do the table. The table is not to remind you of how rotten you are. The table is to remind you and how much God loves you by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross and His grace covers every sin you will ever commit. I was talking to somebody the other day, and, and uh, we were just talking about how sometimes our kids screw up. I, I screwed up. And I'm sure my parents thought, he's a screw up. And, I, and, you know, sometimes we just say that about our kids. But, you know, the Lord laid something on my heart, you know, is that when I was, when I was eight, I came to Christ. I was a kid. I mean, I, I knew I knew I needed Jesus. I knew I was going to hell without Jesus. And I, I needed Jesus Christ. And I needed his love and forgiveness. And so I committed my life as an eight-year-old boy, the best way I knew, to follow after Jesus Christ. I was baptized. I did everything. I started growing in that faith. Even though it was minuscule at the time, I started growing in that faith in Jesus Christ. I remember it distinctly. I have not doubted uh, very much about that day. Now I know it's it's a birthday spiritually for me. Do you know the truth is this? I've committed my worst sins since I was 8 than before I was 8. Do you know how many of my sins were nailed with Jesus to that cross? All of them. Even the ones that I still haven't walked in yet. All of them. How's your love life with Jesus? I mean, how's it really Because I really believe that when we focus on that love relationship, it's amazing how the weeds seem to go away.